Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to the Based on History podcast. I'm John Nydick, and welcome to another segment of Things John Got Wrong. This is going to be dealing with the episode of 300. And once again, not trying to pat myself on the back too much, but I didn't get a whole lot wrong on that. And But if somebody uh, comes back and said, oh, you actually did, I'll, I'll, I'll add it to the next one. But one of the things that I had kind of said, like, I don't know, I didn't know about it was dealing with the Spartan spears and the part of the spear that they call the lizarder. And I said, I don't know why they call it that. I know that they just call it the lizarder. Well, it wasn't entirely true. And I went back and did a little bit more digging before I had, I had seen through the research and it just already kind of knew that they had called it that. But all I had kind of found was that they call it the lizard because you can kill lizards with it. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I get that. But I was kind of wondering how that name came about, hoping that there'd be like a story or, or, or something like that that would kind of enlighten it a little bit more. The only thing that I have found so far that gave a little bit more description about why it's called the lizarder is that the way that they carry the spears in the back of the formation or while they're marching with them is with the spearhead up and the lizarder at the bottom. And as a lizard crawls across the ground, you can smash it with the lizarder. It It's kind of a silly, like a little silly story to do with something that they would use to kind of kill wounded soldiers you know their their enemy soldiers on the on the battlefield with and the term the lizard or sounds really menacing and kind of scary but you know it really it was like oh look there's a little lizard crawling across the ground and squash so that kind of a little bit more history on the part of the you know the back counterweight of the uh, spartan spear called the lizarder that's really the only thing that I kind of want to talk about for this segment, but we'll just uh, a couple of things just revolving around the podcast. We've got more episodes planned. We're hard at work. I'm already doing research on the next one, and I'll tell you all about that in the upcoming upcoming weeks. And just want to shout out, we are over 100 followers on Instagram, and we're getting you know hundreds of views on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're getting hundreds of views on the YouTube channel. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who follows follows us, everybody who keeps up with us, and everybody who's listening. If you listen and you don't follow, please, please go and hit subscribe wherever you listen. And it it really really helps us out and helps the podcast going. And I just like to be able. To, I just like to see the growth of it. It means a lot to me. I appreciate the support I've got from family and friends and strangers from all over the world. We've got listeners across the globe, listeners in Australia, Malaysia, Belgium, Germany, U.S., U.K., all, all over the place. So, it, I, you know, I'm not saying we're this massive, massive podcast, but I am blown away by the support that we've gotten already in this short amount of time with this uh, small amount of episodes. So I just wanted to say thank you once again. And without further ado, we'll get started with uh, the new episode of Based on History podcast. All right, thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Alexis Knight Photography. Alexis is an award-winning lifestyle, brand, and wedding photographer based in the Cotswolds, England, specializing in headshots, family shoots, and event photography. Alexis has over 20 years experience. You can find her work and contact her for all your photography needs at alexisknight.co.uk. 
That's Alexis, K-N-I-G-H-T dot C-O dot U-K. We are also brought to you by Design Weaver Textiles. Based in the heart of the Cotswolds, Philippa Weaver of Design Weaver Textiles is a hand-tufted rug designer and maker with a passion for British craftsmanship. With 20 years of experience designing carpet for high-end hospitality, she is uniquely suited to bring a fully bespoke design and make service to you, taking care at each stage to provide a beautiful and truly unique work of art to your interior landscape. You can find her on Instagram at Design Weaver Texts. Again, that's at Design Weaver Texts. We are also brought to you by Vanguard Cattle. Vanguard is a small, family-owned beef operation located in the heart of Texas. Their primary focus is on registered Santa Gertrudis cattle for superior genetics, bull and female replacement for commercial cattlemen and meat production. Vanguard's family roots date back to the days prior to the Republic of Texas. They take much pride in offering strong, sound genetics and beef to other Texas families. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at at Vanguard underscore cattle or via email at vanguardcattle at gmail.com. Once again, that's at vanguard underscore cattle or via email at vanguardcattle at gmail.com. You're listening to the Based on History podcast. All units, Irene. I say again, Irene. And we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time. And we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. You tell him I'm coming. And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me. That they may take our lives. But they'll never take our freedom. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to the Based on History podcast. I'm your host, John Nyack, as always, joined by my beautiful wife, Alexis. Hello. And joining us once again is my brother-in-law, Ryan Schmidt. Hi. My, my brother. Your I said, brother-in-law. I, I said my brother-in-law. But last time you said your brother-in-law, you didn't actually tell anyone he was my brother. He well, could be married think... to your sister. Uh, okay. Oh, that would be My beautiful wife's <laughs> eldest brother. Yeah. And today we're going to be covering the movie Gangs of New York, directed by Martin Scorsese, released in 2001. And we'll just talk about, as usual, our initial kind of thoughts and what uh, what we yeah what we thought of the movie. So, guys, y'all in y'all want to go first, and then I'll kind of say some of my thoughts. Sure, sure. Um, How were the characters? <laughs> Well-developed characters? I liked the movie. And the characters were great. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's, a, it's a great movie. I love Scorsese. Um, I don't think there's anything he's created that I haven't been really into. It's amazing to think it's more than 20 years old, this movie. Um, and I think some elements of it aged a little bit. Um, Better than others better than others but, I agree but by and large I mean still a fantastic movie yeah, just, just top, top visually notch. as well like just so rich and 
I mean, talk about like world building. Yes. Um, the uh, just the the look and feel you can almost you can almost kind of smell it, and the obviously the cast is insane. I mean, there are just it's so deep. It's packed. Yeah, so deep, and you can kind of just follow them around as much as it wants Leonardo to be the um, you know the center of it. There are some fascinating characters, and you know scenes that he's not even in that yeah i agree and you can almost like watch the whole movie again and just watch what's going on in the background because there's so it's so like you said it's so deep with the world that they've built of this you know uh 1860s 1850s new york Mm. that i mean obviously i've never been to new york but i know what new york looks like it looks nothing like what this movie is yet it's still the same yeah you know place And, and they've it, it feels like you're there. Like you said, you can almost smell it because of this, like, it looks like it smells. It's interesting because they're all they're all dressed really, they're wearing clothes that you associate with being incredibly smart, like, you know, waistcoats, tailcoats, mm-hmm. top hats, but they're all filthy. Like, mm-hmm. So it's I, kind of I strange. That had to have been done on purpose, not only because I think it's historically accurate as far as the, That's what, they would wear. what they were wearing, they clean. but I think it has to do with, like, the social climbing of these gangs, they mm-hmm. want to appear more legitimate right. than but they really none are. None of them were actually well-to-do people, though, were they? In the movie, no. They're all... They're all I yeah. mean, so... So there would have been people in that time that was wearing top hats and clothes that were clean and... Yeah. Those yes. were the ones they uptown where yes. uh, Cameron Diaz goes and is yes. a turtle dove for... Yeah, but I just think it's cool like... concept. Criminal... Even criminals today, you see it... They're gonna wear the blingy chains. They're gonna wear the super expensive like tracksuit matching yeah. tracksuits and stuff like that. They want to appear as a higher status than they really are. And so then, back then, if you're a gang, you're gonna wear the waistcoat like the rich people uptown. You're gonna wear the top hat like mm. the people uptown. True, but really, yeah. you're a street thug, you know. But yeah. you just want to mm-hmm. appear as you're better than the Irish or the you know what whatever it is. You know what? Um, it, it's a very theatrical movie it like almost felt like a Baz Luhrmann movie at times you know you almost were you waiting could... for them to start singing yeah. it was so orchestrated they and... looked like they were on stage yeah you you could you... it felt like a play yeah because yes. the costumes are so extravagant as yeah. well and just the way that they move as well everyone and, like, you, you can tell and has jump got around and they look like they're just moving like yeah. people mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the theatre do yeah, the only thing that took me away from that was the editing. It's like so Scorsese, like just really punchy, and that and that that you can't obviously do on the stage. I do wish that the blood looked more realistic. I thought it was way too bright red. It should have been oh. like I was saying to John, like why don't they just like go to a slaughterhouse and get loads of actual blood? I mean, what if I? And they could use that. They have done that. They, yeah, they they do yeah. do that in movies, but at the same time, sometimes people like. Or it might be a little squeamish, like, hey, we've got this real cow's blood that yeah. we're going to pour yeah. all I over know. Plus, I know, they, but they so used much like more a realistic. swimming pool of blood in that movie. <laughs> they did. In that movie. That, they did. When I finished the but movie, I was thinking it's that. It's just when it was kind of coming, like when it was sort of drying, it was just that really bright, too, that bright color. Because it goes really dark when it yeah. coagulates, isn't it? Yeah, well, let's talk about the cast for a little bit because it's so. Deep and ob- mm. and Leonardo DiCaprio is the main character, but I feel like when you watch it, it's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, like I mean, 
He's he steals every scene he's in, yeah. no matter if it's a small scene or a big scene. And they're obviously co-starring, right? You know, they're the two. He's the main bad guy. Leo's the main good guy. So they're both the main character. But I just feel like Daniel Day Lewis's performance yeah. mm-hmm. outshines kind of just every everyone. He's by far Completely. he's phenomenal in that movie. And he's so scary. Can you imagine a British actor doing that character and was it Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood? And not yeah. not seeming like the same character. He like, also has Abraham Lincoln. In, right. I mean, a, a typical British actor mm-hmm. trying those three roles would just blend them into one. It'd be impossible. Yeah. He I, just goes deep. I mean, Last of the Mohicans is Daniel Day-Lewis. That's what I, I kept mean, on picturing. I mean, every, everything he does, I mean, he is a true method actor. Oh. I know for this film in particular, he didn't go out of, I mean, he never goes out of character. Yeah. Once the filming, once production begins, and he apparently after this movie shaved his head because he left it that kind of long, greasy, you know, mm-hmm. hat head, uh, hat hair, excuse me, uh, for the entire yeah. time. And there was a story I read that before <laughs> filming began, and they were kind of in pre-production and getting to know it. Liam Neeson went into like the gym that was nearby, and Daniel Day Lewis was in there, and and Daniel Day Lewis literally goes. Hello, priest. And like, you know, like he'll call everyone by their real name and, 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 and everything like that. You know how he's got that um, fake eye in the movie. Mm-hmm. Did, was that a real contact lens? Do you know? Because there's this, there's that bit when he taps it with yeah. a knife so that is like that's real. Oh my god! It's a, they put a real contact with like a plate or something like that in it, and he touches it that's with the knife. Goodness. Freaks me out that scene. Yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, it's he's a creepy. Yeah. He's a creepy character. Super menacing, creepy, unpredictable. I loved watching Leo last night when the internet's blown up with him recently. <laughs> Just oh, and the girlfriends. Do you yeah. know it's interesting? As I wonder well. how old Cameron Diaz was in this film. If she was, I know that's 20, what I was thinking. I was like, under. did he date her? <laughs> She's too old. She's did, definitely older it, than him. It, in it this. did make me realize how much <laughs> he, he's done. I honestly don't think he was fantastic in that movie, and I really rate him as an actor. And I he. He's been in a couple of great movies before that, mm-hmm. but it made me realize how much he's grown into being an actor late, later down the line. Whereas, like Daniel Day Lewis was just. I thought there were some scenes in it that he was very good. Yeah, I, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. Le- I I really like you know, Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor. I don't think this is his best performance either. No. There's a couple scenes where the, it seems forced. Some some of just some of the, the delivery seems for us. Overall, I don't have a problem with it. It's not like I'm sitting here trying to pick him apart. Yeah. There's just he has so many good ones, yeah. and this is such a great film that his kind of just kind of like good, you know, not yeah, great yeah. performance stands out as not a great performance. Just my opinion. And he's got you know the supporting cast. You've got Liam Neeson, Brendan Gleeson, John C. Riley, Jim Broadbent. Yep. Stephen Graham, who's this British actor who's blowing up at the moment. I mean, is there a yeah, Stephen Graham. And then yeah. some of the Which classics. Which one is he? He was that guy. The oh yeah. Guy. He was yeah. in that new Chef One the Cut. Brilliant. Yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. He's, he has a small Isn't role in Band of Brothers. He's in Snatch. He's actually yeah. He's in Snatch. Yeah. He's actually that's the thing. I mean, everywhere you look, every scene. That's what I was. You know that you can watch scenes featuring between two side characters, and it's amazing. There's there's a corner of it for me. It was like. Leo and the the grown-ups, you know, the the two kid, the two 
men that find him when he comes back and uh, what's his name um uh, the kid from ET, grown up. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Oh, what's his name? I, I just, didn't put them that together. That dynamic, <laughs> like I, 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 wasn't completely into it. Um, but other than that, just such a fantastic movie, yeah. and I, Scorsese nailed it. I think we're talking about Leo's performance not being his greatest, which I still think. But I think the person who stands out as not fitting in is Cameron Diaz. Yeah, similar, similar thing with with Leo. It just sort of didn't didn't feel i wasn't completely convinced Mm -mm. like everyone else whether they're an amazing actor or just a good actor or or a side character or a major character minor character to me they all i I believed it especially in period pieces i think it's important to find actors that are believable in that time period yeah and to me cameron diaz just didn't fit in that time period it's not that she's she's a good actress she's not a bad actress and and her her acting in this movie is not terrible Although her accent is pretty bad. Yeah. But it just, I see her and I'm like, Cameron Diaz. It'd be like if Tom Cruise was in this movie. Do you know what they should have done? They should have taken a tooth out. Like if she was missing a tooth, I just think it would have pulled it off. They should have done the... She was too... She was too... They should have done the Charlie's Theron monster treatment to her. Something like that. She was too shy. Like everyone else looked mucky as hell. Everyone's got dirt all over them. Yeah. She's a five point slum hooker thief right. and she's just like glistening everywhere she goes yeah yeah it, it it did feel a little convoluted it didn't it didn't it felt a bit synthetic when when uh they were together sometimes but hey i mean we're picking it we're nitpicking uh, yeah we're nitpicking. Exactly. It, it's a it's a great film yeah i mean it's, it's amazing all the little, uh, but that's one of the reasons why we do this is so that we can yeah. nitpick the i'm really interested to know about how much of this is real i have a sense that the backdrop is more real than anything that happens in the foreground this is probably our first historical fiction movie right right. that we're doing now there are well and we're this is you know while we're doing it we're going to get into all what they got right and what they got wrong but one they don't claim to be this doesn't say based on a true story at the beginning or anything like that right but i would say this is more a historical fiction movie than a bad history movie. Yeah, yeah it's, but, a, it's a fictional story set in a real... Trying to be quite sure. a historically Because there are there are some real characters. Like, uh, his name is Boss Tweed in the movie. He's the politician. He's, um, he's, he's one of the professors... Well, yeah, he's one of the professors in Harry Potter. He was in Moulin Rouge. What's his... Uh, I can't remember his name. David Hemmings, is this the guy who's... No... Not this guy. Uh, Jim Broadbent. Oh, Jim Broadbent. Yeah, he's fantastic. So his, he's his, great. He's a he's a Tammany Hall, which is that building, that yeah. political <laughs> building, which is still in New York. You can go there; it's still there. Yeah. And that's all real. He was a real politician during that time. He was extremely corrupt, but none of the other characters are real. Yeah. Now, Daniel Day Lewis's character in the movie is named Bill Cutting, which is like super punny because he's a butcher. Yeah. They call him Bill Cutting. Mm-hmm. But the the character that he is based on is probably the closest comparison of a one for one real life to the character in the movie. And, oh. he, and that guy's name was uh, William Poole. Okay. And he was a butcher, and he was a gang leader, but he was a gang leader of, and they they say it in the in the movie. And passing by, he was the gang leader of a gang called the Bowery Boys. Oh, yeah. So there was no gang called the Confederation of American Natives. That's made up for the movie. Okay. But their principles of what they stood for are exactly the same. 
no blacks, no Catholics. You know uh, that very na- nativism is what they would is what mm-hmm. they called it. Yeah, and they were and then the Dead Rabbits is a real Irish street gang. From almost all the gangs are real. The Plug Uglies, the Forty Thieves, the Worcesters or the Chestershires or whatever they're called. The was is he? What's his? Is he a second generation? Yeah, so he's a second generation American. Yeah, or maybe a third generation American. His father died in the War of eighteen twelve. British, his father, his, or his uh, grandfather. So his so his grandfather is is probably British. Yeah, and because okay. his father died fighting for the Americans in the War of eighteen twelve, which okay. he talks about in the movie, and that they it's not completely the accurate or the same, but his father, yeah. and so he was part of a political party that was known as the Know Nothing group at the time uh-huh. and they were called the native american political group or something i think that's where they kind of got the confederation of american natives name from yeah and they were centered around that nativism white you know the very waspy principles white american anglo-saxon protestant like these are the this is what america was founded by and this is what and they and the main reason is they didn't want politicians being influenced by the pope and that's in America. It's always been a fear. That's why people didn't want John F. Kennedy to be president. He was the first Catholic president, mm-hmm. and they were they were people were afraid that if we have a Catholic president, then the Pope is going to have influence in U.S. politics. Right, okay. and it also has to do with jobs and racism and all all sorts of those good you know late nineteenth century. I mean, it obviously goes back even further, but what yeah. was going on in the U.S. at that time. And presumably there was a that was an absolute boom of Irish um, migration, right? Yes, into so, the U.S. So during so the movie, the one thing they get wrong is the time the timeline. Yeah. So the reason you're getting all those Irish immigrants into America is because of the potato famine in right. Ireland, mm-hmm. which was like 1845 to 1847 time oh, okay. frame. Mm-hmm. The movie starts off the opening scenes in 1855, okay. and then the most of it takes place in 1862 to See, 1863. No, hang on a minute. I wrote 1846 down because it said 1846 on the when we oh, were watching it. Oh, okay. So, eight, yes, you're correct. 1846. 18, the beginning, right? When he's a kid. Yeah, it? when he's yeah, a kid. Yeah. 1855 is a year, and I'll get to it in just a second, because that's, histo- that's a historical year. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so it take, it starts in 1846, which is right kind of where it should be, but then it jumps ahead to 1862, 1863 during the American Civil War. All the stuff that's kind of happening in the film what it relates to historically happened before so that. So all those Irish that were still coming that had already in, ha- that had already they happened the way it happened. So okay. the Irish were still coming in during that time because a lot of them did fight for the Union and the Confederacy okay. because they came in in mm-hmm. the South and the North. But the Civil War is happening. But they weren't coming in quite in the numbers that they were in the 1840s and then up to the mid-1850s okay. because the potato famine was, was over by that time yeah. and they, things were starting to... People weren't starving to death, <laughs> yeah. But there were still a lot of Irish coming into the into the U.S., just not quite in these tens of thousands of numbers that they were during during that time. So they they kind of they play fast and loose with the timeline mm-hmm. so that this problem can still be Keeps going on. When he, yeah, when he's an yeah. adult and stuff like um, that. So yeah. the priest was he made up then? So he's made up, although there is a Irish priest who is prevalent in the Five Points area during this time but he's an actual priest he doesn't lead a battle he doesn't do anything like he that he doesn't have a son that comes back because they have more than one fighting priest in this movie and it made me yeah. think like did the priests like get stuck in so the 
they they I didn't see anything that like sourced one specifically that was leading the charge, so to speak. Yeah. Also, these gang wars weren't quite like they are in the movie either. Yeah, I can imagine. They they weren't like, hey, let's meet at the five points. You bring all the gangs. We line up and we charge each yeah, other. It's been like, like West Side and, Story, wasn't yeah. it? And, yeah. and would they would they agree on what types of weapons? No pistols, pistols. No. So yeah. that, it's funny because you can imagine it'd be chaos, like in real life. You know, they say no pistols, and then they have that last fight, which gets broken up by the New York draft rise, which is historically accurate. Okay. But, uh, you know, Leo's character stabs him at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in real life, the real William Poole gets shot. He, ah, okay. <laughs> he gets, okay. yeah. So Leo's in a mass fight, or no, just there is okay. there is no mass fight ever like that. There, there in the 1850s, there was a thing called the dead rabbit riots where the dead rabbits do riot and the gangs all riot and they have to bring in the police to stop them it lasts like three and a half days or something like that yeah but it's not a battle between gangs it is a looting riot of the area where everyone's fighting and they're fighting because we want to loot this house and we're here first and you came up and now we're fighting and and stuff like that and the Irish gangs did hate the Protestant gangs that's true as well and they fought all the time but it's more like, oh, there's a dead rabbit, let's get him. Or, oh, there's a Bowery boy, let's beat him up because you're on the wrong side of the street and stuff like that. Right, right. The and weapons they... thing really confused me in that first fight because they had no guns. So I was trying to work out when did when were guns invented? Were they not invented at this time? Like, <laughs> And then they were on later in the movie. Yeah, right? I mean, that that's a drama effect, you know, right. by the ancient laws of combat. It's There'd have been all... plenty of guns, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Then they all would have used them. Yeah. There's no way that... That right. they'd agree not There's to. A... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No because the richer gangs would all be like, well, we've all got guns and you don't. You know, okay. I have I have a weapons question and I, I don't know if you're going to know the answer right away. Maybe you do it for a mini or something, but it. I remember in the riot when the mob's going around mm-hmm. and, and actually when that big fight is about to kick off, and it gets interrupted by literal cannon fire from mm-hmm. boats in the yeah. Hudson. I'm thinking to myself, is that really possible? Because Five Points is like around Soho area, right. if I understand correctly. So it's, the Five Points is around Soho area, right? Which is right right in the in the heart of the southern yes. tip. At yes. About a... what, three, four hundred meters? From the ocean? From the, yeah. from from the, the, in the coastline the, of... Yeah. Yeah. How how far do those cannons fire? Did that happen? Did they shoot at so the, the town, the city? So first off, no, they did not shoot. The like the United States Navy did not bombard yeah. the city of New York. Okay. And secondly, Just a strange thing to add into. The secondly, story. yes, those could reach there. They could, okay, yeah. but they didn't. But they didn't. Oh, okay, so I thought yeah. it was ridiculous for the wrong reason. So they the New York draft riots, which mm. did happen in 1863, <laughs> um, was like a week long riot. In, in New York, opposition to Abraham Lincoln, opposition to the war, opposition to the drafts because all the poor people are getting drafted. Yeah. That's nothing new as yeah. far as drafts are concerned. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just the conditions in the lower parts of Manhattan and, and all those things, they all culminated into that and they and they all rioted yeah. and it wasn't just the gangs it was every and they show this in the movie everyone's right yeah, like yeah. you know the fire starts and everyone's like oh we're looting we're looting yeah and then they did have to bring in the army to to stop them and some of those units that helped stop the new york draft rides had just got done fighting the battle of gettysburg in the civil war right like hey you know how you just survived wow. the single worst battle of this war let's go let's go home <laughs> and shoot some civilians like, wow do you know uh, th- that's actually something I really 
liked about the movie because at one point um when leo gets injured and then hangs up the dead rabbit mm-hmm. and you get the sense that they're creating this kind of messiah figure for the movie and it's like i'm going to be the reason why there's all this uprising they're all going to do it for my own reasons and i was thinking to myself that's going to be such a plot um like just over beefing it yeah and, and i was waiting for it to come but actually i really love the way in the third act the main characters it there's a storm around them i mean and you just get the sense they're just getting bobbed around and and they they have no control over it which yeah. which i think is probably it was correct because the riots were real the the mobs were real mm-hmm. there was no one guy going hey you know i've been slighted so everybody back yeah, me yeah, up yeah. like so I like the idea, like they're trying to fight each other and they can't because like everything's falling mm-hmm. apart around them. It's kind of kind of I, cool. I like. I haven't really thought of it like that, but I do like that. I wish they had a battle. I didn't. I just wish they didn't have like the New York draft rights mm-hmm. in the background because yeah. like you have the opening set battle, which is yeah, yeah. so intense. Yeah, yeah there's no showdown. There's no yeah. showdown. The guys, the guy's got a piece of metal in his stomach exactly. before they get. It's to fight. so <laughs> anticlimactic. It was. Yeah. yeah. It's so Little anticlimactic. He's like, like. Yeah, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis gets wounded by shrapnel, and then you know Leo crawls up to him and, and kills him. I'm going like, to assume they ran out of blood, yeah, because <laughs> they just used all of the blood <laughs> for the first scene. So much. But you're, you're right; it is a bit. Um, I know he would have done that on purpose. He would have said, "I'm not going to. I'm not going to just give you a give you what you three course meal here. Predicting, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm well. going to play around a bit and mm-hmm. make it. You know, make it about the city more than these two people yeah. and. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it It almost really is more about New York yeah. than it is about the actual That end characters. sequence really shows it, I think, when he just has that long shot, the music kicks in, yeah. and then you see the buildings. Mm-hmm. It's got the Twin Towers. It's got the Twin Towers. Yeah, on the Twin it was, towers. So it was yeah. made in 2001, wasn't mm-hmm. it? When did they come down? They came down September 11th. Um, of 2000 2001 so I don't know exactly when this movie was released it says tw- it says 2002 oh, okay, 2002. but it oh, would I have it was 2001. I mean oh hang on a minute release date so they that uh, they probably um delayed the release 7th of January 2003 in the UK so it probably okay. came out in, tw- in 2002 okay. in the year gotcha. so there would have been time for them to have reshot that so they oh, yeah, deliberately edited, edited left it, it out. So I know yeah. they left it in there on purpose. Okay. I just didn't know how. I thought it came out in 2001. That, that came fresh. Out, yeah, a little bit later, yeah. So um, did the butcher guy in real life, did he use his meat cleavers? No. So Bill William Poole, who is the name of the actual mm-hmm. historical character, never killed anyone as far as anyone can tell. He was known as like a... So nothing like that character no well so he's he's very similar he was a butcher he was leader of the bowery boys which was the most prominent white protestant gang in the area he was a like political muscle for the politicians in new york he influenced the five points extremely hard and he was known as a violent man he was a bare knuckle boxer he beat up a ton of people so he he's very similar in a lot of ways it's just not the I kill the barber in his barbershop right. and cut his head off with a cleaver mm. because I used to be a butcher kind of That's thing. That's kind of cool, isn't it? He's taken something very real and then said, right, you know, Daniel Day Lewis will be the connection to historical reality and then we'll just spin the story off all yeah. around him. Yeah, he's he's the he's the historical connection. Yeah. But for the sto- from the story standpoint yeah. for sure. Yeah. And the Leo's char- what they say, there is no character that's really anything like 
Leo's character, mm. but there is a prominent Irishman. He's not really affiliated with the gangs other than that he uses the Irish gangs as his muscle to kind of combat the magnetism. Yeah. And his name was John... Um, oh, I can't even remember it now. It's super Irish. It's like O'Reilly or Mulaney or Morrissey. His name is John Morrissey. Okay. And he was an Irish politician who was against William Poole and they were going back and forth, going back and forth. And then William Poole challenged him to a bare knuckle box in New York. They fought each other. And apparently John Morrissey was kind of like traditional boxing style and was kind of beating William Poole. And then he like went straight street fight dirty and like was like gouging his cheek and like biting his ears and like had him on the ground and like pummeled him until he was like bloody wow. and nothing. And then like they called the fight and, and, you know, Bill the Butcher won. Wow. And then some associates of John Morrissey the next year or a couple months later tracked him down and shot him. And okay. he died like two days later. That was 1855. So William Poole died in 1855. So, you know, in the movie, it's he dies in 1863. So they, they kind of extend and shorten and yeah. squash things around to fit right. fit the movie timeline versus the historical timeline. By far, the thing they get the most correct on a historical level, is the sets. Yeah, the sets, it looked incredible. I mean, incredible. The old brewery, that big, massive brick building yeah. that's kind of like the Irish headquarters. Yeah, yeah. Real building that they re that they they built it all. Wow. They built this all in a set. I mean, the inside was like a cave. Yes. Well, so I don't building. know about the catacombs. Yeah. You know how what that was like, because like New York is like that area is like super swampy. Yeah. So right. you wouldn't, and that's what the Five Points used to be, a lake. They do have bedrock, don't they? I mean, yeah. I mean, eventually you get to bedrock. Yeah. But the Five Point area used to be a lake, hmm. and then they filled it in because all the drainage and sewage was going into it. And it was kind of gross, and so they they filled it in, and then they started building on top of it. Ah. But because it had such a shoddy job on it, everything started like all that like feces and like manure that was in the sewage right. starts like all the gases release, oh my and God. so the soil resettles, and it's like a swampy. <laughs> Gross. Can you imagine? And that's why it was the slums. The smell. That's why it was the slums in there. Yeah. And like you got the guy walking around spraying that like pesticide, not pesticide, but it was like antiseptic spray, courtesy yeah. of Tammany. Yes. Um, and that and that's because of all the mosquitoes, because of all the swamp area that was being reclaimed by the un underneath. Yeah. yeah. It was disgusting. But like, there's pictures. That and, and I know that they did this on purpose. There's pictures of New York in the Five Points at this time that they specifically recreated for shots in the film. Wow. When Leo's marching with the dead rabbits after he's been like, you know, they yeah, burn yeah. him with the knife. He's marching through the streets and it's a POV shot. Yeah. And then you see him and he turns and he hangs him on. There's one thing where he walks through an alleyway mm -hmm. and there's a picture that they have actually just recreated like shot. I mean, wow. image for image of this alleyway and like they're all they're all wearing the same thing and it's it's pretty cool that's really cool i mean watching it it felt so authentic it it looked really detailed and well done yeah i mean like the bowery boys like the the know nothing street gang they wore top hats and plaid pants and they tucked them in their boots and they wore the little sashes and they wore the little vests and you know the irish gang is a little bit more poor so they don't have quite the like dressiness to them mm -hmm. but everything looks extremely authentic it's it's incredible the detail that went into the costumes and the sets and the buildings and and, and all of that
When did the Italians come to New York? Later on. So yeah. the evolution of the Irish street <laughs> gangs. Because I was like, where's the Italian gang? The... <laughs> the <laughs> Joe, Joe Pesci. The Irish gangs evolve. So by the end of the Civil War and starting getting close to the turn of the century, all of these gangs get reformed into right. different gangs or they get pushed out. And, and, as, and as you get the sense as well, a lot of them institutionalize right they, they stay they end up running for office they end up a lot of them do getting into the uh, yeah the police like the like the um john morrissey yeah. he was a senator from new york eventually okay. and a lot of these guys go on to be elected and things like that but the kind of later wave of irish that come in they're not quite as poor because they're not coming over just because everyone's starving yeah and they begin to form their irish gangs as well and they kind of are more what you would call like white collar crime, organized crime, more reminiscent of the kind of godfathery Italian mob, the Irish mob style. Hmm. They start pushing all of those kind of street gangs out and they take over and divide New York. And then like kind of a, like third wave of immigration is when you start getting like a lot of Jews and Italians and things like that. And the kind of that turn of the century leading up to World War One and, and, and leading up to World War Two right. is when a lot of the, they when they come over. And then the Italians really start pushing out all of the Irish gangs or incorporating them into like a, you know, yeah. they work for the Italian mafia and, and that kind of thing. And that's when you get like Al Capone and, yeah. and, and those types of things. That's yeah. all run by, you know, the Prohibition, 1920s, the Italians are really, really taking over that area. Chicago, New York, yeah, everything like that. Obviously, that subject matter is well covered by Scorsese, so you can kind of understand why he decided to... What else does and, he direct that's Italian? Uh, Goodfellas, The Departed, which could also be called Gangs New yeah, York. He is, a, <laughs> he is a New York Italian American, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Scorsese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, did he, he do Shutter <laughs> Island with Leo, or was that yeah, somebody else? He did. Uh, I mean, that movie—that was his, and that stood out because I don't. He hasn't I'd done like, like a, that's like that a film again. noir. He mm -hmm. hasn't done. I love Shutter Island. That is so good. Yeah. I want to watch that again. So what's next? What's the next topic? On um, the movie, or I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. there's there's no real historical yes. story that to trail along yeah. with. So we're just kind of you know talking about it. What what um? Yeah, you normally have like one thing I was thinking. Notes. Um, the you mentioned already. I think that the the clothing was seemed pretty correct. Um, the social structure and you know there's a few times when they kind of kind of explain it or you really visually see the way the different classes are interacting and there's mm -hmm. that that bit when i really like it when he follows cameron diaz uptown and she does her turtle dubbing mm -hmm. and i'd imagine um that was exactly how it was i'd imagine the really upper class neighborhoods were a you know short tram away or whatever yeah. it was a cart away that's exactly i mean that's exactly how it was and even so they're in the five points district the bowery district which is where the bowery boys kind of operated mm. was like three blocks away and that was considered middle class right and so three blocks down the road you have people working normal jobs yeah. and you know doing all those sorts of things and then you go three blocks this way and you might get knife mansions. Yeah, oh I mean, yeah, right. You know, it's, just, it's yeah, yeah. And then further up is where you you know get the mansions and and things like that. Yeah, it's it's. How how far were they away? Do you know? I mean, it's all it's the all real, on the real wealth. I mean, it's, it's not all on the like island. Very big, is it? No, it's all on the island. It's crazy. Yeah, 
Oh, there was something. Oh, one of the things that we talked about Cameron Diaz's accent being so bad, but and the movie gets a lot of flack for its accents. But what they they did was they brought in an actual like dialect coach to work with all of them to try and get their accents pretty historically accurate. And so everyone's like, "Oh, Leo's Irish accent's so terrible, and it comes and goes." And that was done on purpose because he's a second generation mm-hmm. Irish immigrant yeah. who. You know, his father died, so he grew up in America. That's, the that's what I assume. And they, yeah, and they, and they mixed it. And for Daniel Day Lewis's accent, they, they brought, they had one recording of Walt Whitman reading poetry, and he like listened it. to it, really? and then tried to oh, recreate to Walt Whitman's accent. He sounded wow. a lot more New Yorky. The his gang were a lot more New Yorky sounding, weren't they? You mean than the Irish immigrants? Yes, <laughs> but yeah, you could hear the, the New York accent. Yeah, his oh, honestly, I could just watch that guy. He's yeah, amazing for the whole movie. Just every scene he was in. That I wish they, I wish they had just made it about. Just him. One I think of my favourites was when he done. started crying over the rabbit and then instantly yeah. just turned, yeah. turned the it's, crying it's off. terrifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, every, I mean, uh, uh, that's another thing I want to talk about. Some of our favourite scenes in the movie. And yeah. I'm thinking about, and they're all just his scenes. Yeah. Like when Leo wakes up in bed with Cameron Diaz and he's just sitting there with the wound yeah. draped in the American flag. Amazing. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, yeah. just uber patriotic. <laughs> you know, just like... And he's just sitting there, just yeah. staring at them. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And I, I love the scene when they're hanging the four random people. And yeah, Bill's, and having a chat, and he buys the guy's yeah. like necklace. He's like, how much for the necklace? He goes, oh, it's my mother's. And he's like, oh, $1.50. He's like, sold. Like, you know, and it's just all these great... Bizarre. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. They, they're just having like a nonchalant catch-up just before they got... Um, you know Stephen Graham. The where is he from? Is Liverpool. he like Liverpudlian? Yeah. yeah. Was he attempting to not sound Liverpudlian? Definitely. Really? Yeah. Because did you he hear him? Did you hear Liverpudlian? Like did him you? To me. I d- yeah. I, yeah. He he's actually not great at accents. It's it's a yeah. it's a little he, too he's, swanky. He's like played sounding. Capone, I could he? hear. Yeah, he's played in Capone. Boardwalk Empire. I yeah. could hear no yeah. Irish in his talking. Yeah, he's not. He's a phenomenal actor, but he's best best when he uses his, his actual accent. I mean, that's the thing. You got Liam Neeson and Brendan Gleeson, who Both are actually proper Irish, Irish guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson speaks it. Gaelic, wow, or you know the Irish, or whatever. And, yeah. he, and he says a couple lines of it in the in the film. That's so a, a, another little, like the little things are awesome. Like uh, Brendan Gleeson's like club, war With club that notches. he uses. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a traditional Irish weapon. Yeah, is right. these like walking sticks that they 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 go out into the woods and they find these branches with these massive knots in them, yeah. and then they like polish them and harden them, and they you know, some of them are longer than others, yeah. but it's like that thing you know, is brutal, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's like it looks like it's a fantasy weapon yeah. almost, but it's just a it's just a piece of wood with a big knot on it. It, it. looks like scene... one of those Star Wars um, weapons in Boba Fett. You know, oh, the, the, the sand pe- the sand yeah. people weapons. Yeah. yeah, it does it does mm-hmm. look like that. The scene when he. When Daniel Day-Lewis kills uh, Brenda Gleeson was a standout one for me. Just the tension, and you're like, uh, it was the, it's the, the most shocking. Him. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, you don't expect mm-hmm. him to die, especially like that. Like that straight away. That was like, horrible. Such a brutal way because he that guy's a fighter. He's killed forty four people or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. turns his back, boom, and that's the, that, that. That's the dirt, dirty fighting tactics. Yeah, this guy didn't turn your care. Back, walk yeah. backwards. Yeah. 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 Scary stuff. <laughs> oh, there was another another scene that i was gonna talk about i can't remember notes. i didn't take that many because the, the historical notes you know 
Yeah. That just wasn't really. I, I was like, I could tell you the historical story of this time period, but it really has nothing to do with the movie other than the kind of overall gang, you know, gangs. And even then, there's not a whole lot of like. There's like some newspaper clippings, you know, that are this, you know, paragraph mm-hmm. long about the dead riots what shot about, a guy um, on the Bowery. You know, like is this, this all kind of. What about some of the like. Um, drawings, old school drawings that they'd show of like the riot at the end and kind of throughout the movie. Were they, oh, were they some real drawings? From no, that those time are all or? fake, but they're done in the style of that newspaper, yeah, you know, nineteenth okay. century, you know, newspaper political cartoon type yeah. type drawings. But yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the story's pretty much made up. You know, the most of the characters are are made up. It's really a historical fiction movie, so I'm not going to hit it too hard for not getting a lot of historical things right, mm, other than, really you know... Trying. Yeah, it wasn't really trying. It, it's a historical fiction movie, mm-hmm. and I got no problem with historical fiction, so I... It's, yeah. I just assumed, because we were doing it, that it was going to be historically more accurate and yeah, well, based on history. It was one of the movies that I was wanting to do, and it was one of the movies that y'all had talked about. So mm-hmm. I was like, hey, let's, let's do it. you know, Because we had also talked about doing more historical fiction movies. I mean, another Daniel Day-Lewis. We've got Last of the Mohicans on the list to do. That's historical fiction, and mm-hmm. there's a ton of real That'd history in the, in the backdrop of this fictional, you know, fictional story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I mean, one of the reasons we did the podcast is to talk about history as well as movies. So that's why historical fiction is on there. I mean, they, I mean, they, yeah, they they get a lot of things historically right. The the Irish coming over and all those things. I think something like between one point five and three million people in Ireland died of starvation. Wow. You know, from the potato famine. Something is some around the same number of people left Ireland. You know, going other places. Most of them went to the so UK. Didn't you say the potatoes were only introduced to Ireland after they were a new world? Yeah, potatoes are food. a new world food. So, so then Ireland became dependent on potatoes, and then there was a famine. Yes. Of potatoes. Wow. So yeah, the, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? The, <laughs> the Irish potato famine is a very, it's a sticky subject because it's like, it's very politically charged because of the kind of like hierarchy structure that they had going on you know you had royalty and you had lords and workers and serfs and all those types of things and to make it cheap enough basically the lords and the landowners encourage the poor people in ireland to eat the potato because it has a lot of starch and it has a lot of calories in it. Mm-hmm. It's a super cheap food to grow. And the potato that they were growing in Ireland at that time was a massive potato. And basically it was like they became dependent on it because everything else, the crop was sold. And so it kept the poor poor because they were solely dependent on the potato, but it kept them like strong enough to keep working mm-hmm. these massive you know, land for these massive landholders. And then so when the potato famine came, it was really only the poor in Ireland Mm. that were affected because they're the only ones that were really relying on eating the potato. And there were some that were kind of like, this might be a good thing because we've got too many poor people. And then when you get too many poor people, they riot, you know, for Mm -hmm. better wages and for all of those sorts of things. So like they debate about like, was the response delayed because they didn't know it was going to be that bad or was it like a calculated delay to be like, hey, let's 
let's thin the herd a little bit before we start doing anything. Mm. And so, you know, like that that's kind of like when you talk about the potato famine in and of itself, but the Irish, they just don't want to die. So they're going to go wherever they can. They go to the U S a lot of them went to England and, and everything like that, you know, it lasted two years. There was another one in like the fifties, like 57 or something like that. Not as big, but a lot of people died and the Irish potato, it, it's not, it's extinct. It's not even around anymore. Wow. And apparently it was a terrible potato. Apparently it tasted terribly, but that's what they were de- dependent on. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene in the, uh, um, what, what was it? The mayor. Uh, so what was, what, who was Tammany? Um, who is no, not who yeah, was, boss tweed. That was, yeah. Who was boss he, tweed? He's a, he's just a, he's like a Senator for the New York's district of that area. Okay. He's a, he's a politician. And the guy, you know, they're having like the they're playing snooker, and uh, there's the there's the other guy there, and they talk. He, t- he says that line about paying half of the poorest population to kill the other half, or something yep. like that. It's kind of similar. That very kind of similar thinning out. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember who who what was the the guy with the really bushy eyebrows? What was his? He's the uh, announcer in Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? So who was he? Mm. What was his? Um... Another politician. He's not a politician. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's obviously not a huge character. I don't know his name. I don't know who yeah. he's supposed to be. He could very well be a real politician. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't look him up. Yeah, I mean, but that's that. That it's all a power struggle, right? Because you've got in the movie, you've got Boss Tweed, the politician, who has an alliance with Bill the Butcher, as a, for power, and then he's going down to the docks. And giving the Irish bread as they come off the boat to get their vote. So he's playing both sides. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of them. You know, I mean, like he. The movie really plays that. Like they really make a thing of that. The whole like it's like a sausage factory in terms of like getting votes out of people. Yeah. You know, getting them to getting conscriptions straight off the boat. Just this like, you know, there's so many people. Let's just flood them in. That vote, that election scene was quite amusing, actually, wasn't it? When there, like, there's elections like that all the yeah, time. Getting them I mean, the, the beard shaved and haircuts and sending yes, them right they back. Did, they did stuff like that. That's historically accurate. I mean, I bet. In, I mean, how in my opinion, the elections it? haven't changed all that much. It's just you know more electronic now. But back then, they were known for just being completely fraudulent. And I think in a in a mayor race in New York during this time. There was like I'm gonna make these numbers up, but let's just say there was a hundred thousand people in New York completely. There was like three hundred fifty thousand right. vote, votes cast, you know, <laughs> in, in the in the election race. You know, something like that, and everyone's just like, oh yeah, don't don't worry about that. That's don't hilarious. Worry. And those things things like that happened all all the time, from the city level to the you know presidential level and stuff like that. They were yeah. And there's no way to really. But you check. just get that sense, don't you, of like. A civil civilized society trying to break out of this like magma, just like mess, just yeah. absolute chaos. I mean, that's that's history, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the the yeah civility and you know like just fighting and biting and clawing out of the savageness right. to try and get something semblance of yeah. a working community. But it, it's hard for people of our generation to really understand that it was hard for me to really understand that because i have you know you see you you see uprisings and you see regime changes um you know 
it doesn't I touch us haven't witnessed it haven't felt it you know haven't had that sense of right just underneath this newly laid surface mm -hmm. are the dead bodies of people that you know gave everything to try yeah. and make some change or just didn't survive because it was mayhem you know, yeah it's, i mean it's in, crazy. in that that's a you know smaller picture of what was going on in the u.s during that you know there's a civil war going on so the entire country yeah was figuring out what they were going what was it going to look like moving forward yeah. what and, a tumultuous yeah I mean, period they they somewhere the large estimates are going to be at the one million mark general averages is in the 700,000 men killed in, in civil. the american civil war yeah yeah it's a big deal yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I, I think it was just such a great idea for a movie to create that very real backdrop so that you had this real sense of... Um, Authenticity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then you just go, right, let's ri let rip with the characters and create a really good story. Um, and that's how historical fiction should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I keep on saying, but that's basically Last Mohicans. Mm -hmm. And is Daniel Day-Lewis praise hour here. But like, it's like, hey, this is a real real event we're going to make it as real as possible mm. and then we've got these characters and they just go through it yeah you know and and you see these real surroundings around these you know around these characters and it almost could be real yeah yeah i mean if yeah definitely if if someone had told me you know before i kind of gotten into this researching movies and checking on them and stuff like that somebody had told me like gangs of new york's based on a true on a true story and it's you know 90 percent accurate and you watch the movie like i believe that yeah I believe it. I mean, everything seems real. The characters. I don't know. When I first watched the movie, when it first came out, I had no idea about about it. I just assumed it was completely made up, all of it. I would never oh, have thought okay. it was based on history in any way. Mm. Well, I guess, I guess knowing more about U.S. history <clears throat> and yeah. knowing kind of what was going on during that time period, but not knowing the individual characters, you know, operating mm. in New York during that time, mm. for me, it's a little bit more believable to see the things that they do and how they're operating and, and cause you know, the Irish are coming in, you know, I knew that there was nativism and you know, all, all that kind of stuff going on in the New York draft riots and something. Right. That. So I was like, Oh, well I know this guy is real. Well, these guys must be real too. Then, you know, they, and they're doing similar things that they would be doing in, in real life. Right. So to okay. me, wow. I just thought it was super far fetched and way away from reality. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. No, it's so far beyond my experience of new york i lived there for five years and you know even hung around that part mm -hmm. of the city part is of it, it is it still called the five points no there's a place called the five points it's like a restaurant or something it's oh, not there's cool. not it's not a okay, it's, well, not, a cool. so the, the five, it's not a road the five points don't exist anymore i think i think worth street still exists yeah that's the only one of the original five point streets that still is there right and i know one of the like corners of because it doesn't there is there's not even five streets it's it's completely it's completely different because do, do you know where that area is it's yeah, chinatown yeah part of it is chinatown yeah and that's that's the thing because there's a there's a lot of relatively speaking historical buildings mm -hmm. in that area but they're like industrial revolution type yeah, yeah, yeah. um so this is a movie about the like sawdust ground version mm -hmm. of New York, mm -hmm. the horse crap, you know, mm -hmm. ground version of it that that you really don't see in the modern in modern New York at all. And yeah, so I, are I, I had no sense of that. Are there any other movies based in New York at this time? 
wow, goodness, very broad question. I don't know. I I have to. That I guess that you just. That you know. I mean the the movie, the, it's not in New York, but the movie Lincoln with Daniel Day Lewis again playing That's Abraham so Lincoln crazy, is taking place at that time, but in Washington D.C. So you, it's yeah. a similar type of city, similar mm-hmm. time frame, and you know you you look at it and at the same time you're like, oh wow, that doesn't look like Washington D.C. It's, the roads are dirt and there's horse yeah. poop everywhere and there's horses everywhere, you know, that that kind of a thing. So you can kind of see that similarity. But, you know, of, I, I think the ambitiousness of having a bit of recreating a New York of that era mm-hmm. is such a big deal. I can't imagine that there is a, a movie that's yeah, there's probably some that are much more like insular. Yeah, for you sure. Know, like, yeah, definitely. Older movies, maybe I'm not I, I can't think of any. Oh, another another thing that they got right in the movies of the, the like competition the fire brigades there's a scene with the oh house yeah on fire. that was crazy yeah the different the, there's like 30 some odd different volunteer fire brigades they fight each other it's just there's, wild there's news there's a newspaper article i found that literally like describes that incident where a house is on fire two different fire brigades show up they fight each other and that house they don't even start the fire and so they go and loot the other houses on either side of it so that they can get the stuff before this fire spreads into the Absolute adjoining madness. buildings and the one guy puts the barrel over the fire hydrant to hide it from the other you know <laughs> they there's little snippets and clips of them doing all of those things so it's like every little thing on the peripheral of the main story is all historically accurate you know and they just got the you know fictional characters in it's, the middle it's crazy because that 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 was almost like cartoonishly it, um it is funny as hell and they've got those big those big fireman hats what the hell's going on why are they fighting each other it's crazy I can't believe that happened that it's it's just such a crazy concept isn't it you know Mm -hmm. nothing like that happens I mean well I suppose you get like football teams and stuff like that but hooliganism public service you know hooliganism in the in like London for sure it's kind of the closest thing to it um Mm. But like having doing a public service and then having competing public services and then yeah. fighting each other. Yep. I mean, you also <laughs> and then robbing the 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 public. And the same thing with the police department. You have the metropolitan metropolitan police and then you have the city yeah, police, right, right. and they're run by different people and they're fighting each other yeah, yeah. and they're aligned with the street gangs and they're robbing people. I mean, it's... would would the fire brigade go in and rob the the houses? Yeah. Yeah, I found art. I found I found articles about literally. I I know they had to have read the at least the same article because it literally describes that scene, like scene for scene, you know, uh, shot for shot. Wild. It's that it's crazy. Insane. Yeah. Did the zoo? Did the Barnum thing happen? Because you know you remember when all the mayhem they mm-hmm. have like a, an elephant. Say, yeah, yeah. Elef- yeah, the elephant. Oh, yeah, something like it's that did PT happen. P.T. Barnum. I, so I don't know if it's so P.T. Barnum. Was in New York. Oh, if, hey, you want a movie about New York City during this time? What's the one with Hugh? Uh, oh, uh, um, the Greatest Showman. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But um, I think some of his animals did get out. I think his. I think, yeah, something something like that happened. So that's like another little. They put yeah. the elephant in. You know. To be fair, I think if I'm in a riot, I'm I'm gonna let the elephant out. Yeah, like that'd be hilarious. Let's that, just see, swing let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> let's just I'm gonna follow the elephant. Let the tigers out. Yeah. <laughs> but an, um, another really cool scene, which is, I, I know they uh, they had to have read all these newspaper shots, and they're like, all right, this is a scene. This newspaper clipping's a scene. Mm-hmm. This newspaper clipping scene. Shove it all in. When they're at the docks, and you see all of the coffins or you see the soldiers getting on the boat oh yeah 
I mean, like this one makes you a, a private in the U.S. Army. This yeah. one makes you a U.S. citizen. And then they they literally got off the boats from Ireland, signed on, enlisted in the army, got right back on the boat and sailed down south to fight the wow. Confederacy. In the in the and they're getting on the boats that just carried all the dead soldiers back home. That's wild. That and, is wild. And so like I said there were still Irish coming in and there were there was a whole Irish brigade of Union soldiers that basically did that. They got off the boat in Ireland, got back on the boat in New York and then went to war before ever even actually getting a foot into the US. That's a bummer. Hey, you want to go fight for a country that you're not a yeah. part of, and they're fighting for a reason I you mean, have no idea what you're that fighting. That is one hell of a way to prove citizenship, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like immediately stake your life. And there's a there's a famous scene in the in the Union or in the not in the Union in the Civil War, at the Battle of Fredericksburg, and these two Irish brigades, one for the Confederacy and one for the Union, are fighting each other. And they're killing each other on this battlefield. And both of them had basically... One group of Irish had, like, sailed into New York and joined the Union Army. And one group of Irish had, like, sailed into, like, towards, like, like Atlanta and joined the Confederate Army. And then they're both just, like, ha you know, by whatever cruel joke, they end up on the same battlefield fighting each other. What the hell? That happened? Yeah, in real life. Were there, there any Americans in the battle? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a massive, massive battle. There's just okay. one part. The Confederacy hold this uh, ridge line, and the Irish Brigade is kind of along this like stone wall, mm -hmm. and then the Union are assaulting them up the hill, and the Irish Brigade just... No one knew. They just met. At the same spot. That is really weird. And they and they're all carrying their Horrendous. they're all carrying their Irish flag, so they all know who's on the other side. Wow. Yeah. And it's not like they were uh, opposed in Ireland. They just got on different boats. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, that is so weird. Yeah. I mean, does that happen anywhere else? Has that happened anywhere else? I mean, I mean, it's happened with like enforced fighting, right? Like slave slavery, mm. right? But I'm not voluntarily. I can't think of. I mean, it. I would stuff like that happens a lot, and especially in the Civil War, there's stories of fathers killing sons and brothers killing brothers. Wow. There's a story of a. I can't remember if if it. I think it was a Confederate father and a Union son, and somebody was like charging past a group of bodies and there was like a son holding a union soldier, holding a Confederate soldier and saying like, I just shot my dad. I just shot my dad. You know I mean? There's stories like that throughout, wow. throughout the civil war and wow. stuff like that. At the end of the movie, I want, I wanted to believe that that graveyard existed. I thought it was such a cool vision. I had the same, I had yeah. the same thought every time it I watched the movie. Doesn't, does like, it? I mean, is that the, shop. is that the Brooklyn Bridge? It, would, it was Brooklyn Bridge, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that would be a parking lot, hipster or bowling alley, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not a like a rustic uh, graveyard. Graveyard overgrown. I, I love that in shot though. It's such a good. It, mm -hmm. it leaves you Very feeling cool. differently because the movie ends in modern time. Yeah, that's a that's a move, isn't it? That he pulls that. Cool. And it just seems so final. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Leo and, you know, and uh, Cameron Diaz disappear. 
and then you watch the graves get older, and then you watch the stones disappear, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're yeah. looking at downtown New York. Right, right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it hits you kind of hard. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of uh, the third act of AI. I, I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. But Is that the, the one with Haley Joel Osment? Yeah, the time that passes towards the end. like I've only seen that movie one time. You, yeah, you just leave the story it. behind. You leave all of the mm-hmm. characters behind. You're like, oh my god, okay, we're in a different world now. Yeah, and, and it is. It's it's like a palate cleanser, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've been you've been in the slums, sm- visually smelling what's going on, and yeah. now you, now you've got the the boom and the, the industrial revolution and the um, you know the twin towers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was a really good. It was a really good ending. It's it's just I didn't think it's just such a unique movie. There's nothing else. There's no other movies like it. Yeah. Right. You know, there. You know, Martin Scorsese's done Goodfellas and he's done The Departed and 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 those are both amazing movies. But there are a lot of other gangster movies. There's a lot oh, yeah. of other corrupt cop movies. You know, you could take like Steven Spielberg, Saving Private Ryan, which is like the pinnacle of World War II. But there's a ton of World War II movies. Yeah. I mean, there are. This might be the only, especially in like our lifetime, about the street gangs of New York during the yeah. eight, the middle of the 1800s. I remember when he was filming it, someone saying he's making a, a movie, it's called Gangs of New York, and it's going to be set in this time, and I just thought, that is so cool. I can't wait. You know, mm-hmm. it was such a great idea. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it was ambitious. Uh to, to make the movie he made because you could you could have made it small much smaller scale for sure and, and really only been about a smaller number of characters and and stuck to that, you know slightly more the way he tells his gangster stories really mm-hmm. but he made like literally it felt a bit like him and Baz Luhrmann got together and made a movie like it really had that speaking of the greatest showman I think that's a Baz Luhrmann movie oh really yeah he did really? he did um, Moulin Rouge and oh for you know, sure and Australia like this yeah. is like mm-hmm. it's it's based on history yeah but it's it's incredibly as as you saturated can... with colour yeah. and yeah exactly was it, and this movie like we talked about earlier those costumes almost have that feel yeah that play production yeah feel to them and I don't I think if somebody else had done it the movie could have come across as kind of campy a little right. bit, a little bit corny, yeah, almost. Yeah. If it, exactly. it didn't have the same writing, and the same script, and the same actors and stuff yeah. like that, and the sheer amount of incredible violence, yeah, and just like <laughs> the massive amounts of mud that they were, you know, smear, smearing yeah. over, uh, over everybody. I remember watching the movie the first time, and that opening scene hit me like a gut punch. Yeah, the opening it, scene's phenomenal. It because it's, it's like a set piece battle, like Braveheart or Gladiator. Yep. But no one's wearing armor. No, there, I mean there are a couple swords, but like no one's carrying like, like actual battle weapons. They're carrying meat cleavers and <laughs> hammers yeah. and you know like glass knuckles and they're sharpening like boot heels and yeah. you know things like that. It's it's Honestly, so gritty and just straight up brutal the, brawl. The the, mm. the pipes playing, the long shots where it just pans out and out, follow like backtracking or dollying or whatever it is, but. And, and they walk them out and then it just expands and you see all, all of the people that that storytelling with the exception of the child acting yeah uh, that storytelling yeah. <laughs> is phenomenal I, that sequence of father and son brought opens I love it the up. walk yeah because like, you you f- see all these characters and you're immediately you know who you kind of get who they are mm-hmm. and then you have that showdown and it's I mean that is such yeah. a great way to kick off I mean 
Brendan Gleeson hits a guy with that club and you see his legs snap in half. And then you see, like, it's a split second, but you see a guy get fish took and you just see his cheeks start to tear. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not long enough to watch it, but it's like your brain knows what you've seen before your eyes tell you what you've actually seen. And there's little things like that through yeah. the entire yeah. battle scene. And I was probably too young when I first watched it because I remember just being like, oh, overwhelmed a little yeah. overwhelmed but and that's I the thing like you say you could watch it a, you could watch that scene twice in a row and then mm-hmm. say oh, i'm gonna look at this part so of the much. fight this time There's so I, much going on i tell alexis that i do that when i watch movies over and over again start to look off i, I start to look off yeah. in the corners I to see all the little can, things i wonder if there are any like mistakes that people have spotted in oh movies. in choreographed mass fights always yeah. Yeah. you get the, some real yeah. classics the, so the big one in this movie is that if you look at it uh, right before Daniel Day-Lewis stabs Liam Neeson, there's it's like the scene right before it, and you see somebody with an axe chop Liam Neeson's arm off, or like <laughs> chop it, and then it cuts back, and then uh, Daniel Day-Lewis like comes up and, and and stabs him, and then but if you look when Liam Neeson's laying on the ground like right before he dies, you can see his arm is like all all mangled up and everything like that so they they miscut it and they edited uh, it a, okay a little wrong yeah and i mean there's there's also one scene where if you look in the background it's overall it's pretty good for a battle scene there's one scene where there's two guys and they each have like a club or an axe and they're like they're just like oh, kind of like no. doing doing that in the background like you know? warming up <laughs> yeah like warm, you know like when you're a kid yeah. and you play with sticks and you just do like Side hit, yeah. top hit, side hit, and you I can mean, see two guys doing that just for a split it second. It's so hard to be like, right, okay, there's 500 people here or whatever, 400 people here. We've got to get them all to be doing something extremely kinetic, violent looking, and then have continuity shot by shot. I yeah. mean, talk about complicated. It's so, complicated. So to make it look just about, you know, real is, is a is a bit of a feat, isn't it? It's pretty darn good. Yeah. But then you can, you can also, he, he goes from the broad down to the individual because he's there's like a scene you know when that like music kicks in yeah, yeah. and just body fall body fall yeah. body fall body fall and it's just it and they're all just more gruesome than the than the last so good but my favorite part of the opening battle scene is when Liam Neeson and his gang are standing there the dead rabbits and they're looking across this perfect snow covered area yeah. and there's no one else yeah and then all of a sudden like your eye picks up movement before you realize it. And then all of a sudden there's like 20 guys coming out. You're like, no one, no one, no one. Movement, boom. Dudes coming out of everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They slowly walk up and they've got the top hats on, the blue set. You know, it's 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 great. It's a, yeah. it's a, it. I found that that was, that was amazing when they opened that door and you saw, and you saw the snow outside because it starts off indoor in, and it's almost like the bowels of hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, everything looks horrendous and, and you're just like, what the hell is this? This is, this is New York. And then they open that door and you're just like, oh my God, it's winter outside. Yeah. It's, it's such a contrast. It's little things like that that really, you know. Ooh, imagine living in New York at that time when there was no central heating. Oh, you know chilly. New York winters. Oh my God, it's Horrible. so cold. I mean, so d- cold. during this time, I think somewhere around this time, I can't remember exact year, but it was called, they call it the Little Ice Age. And like Hudson froze over. There were people skating across the Hudson and things. Wow! Like. It and might have been like the 18th. 18... You used to say that it was painful to breathe in when you're outside. 
didn't you? You could feel stuff happening. Like, you could feel things freezing. Like, in your Inside. nostrils. Like, nose hair, if you breathe in through your nose, it would, it would like, solidify. That literally sounds like hell to me. Yeah. <laughs> this, I can't believe we're talking about this on a podcast. It's my, so weird. My. I, didn't, I wasn't prepared to talk about freezing nostril hair. <laughs> uh, but here we are. You never know. Yeah. You never know what's going to come Beards are, cr- are cool, though. You know, you get the crystals on, mm-hmm. your, on your moustache. It's kind of, it's quite a cool feeling. Yeah. I've, You'd hate it, though. Yeah. You're not a wintry guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to kiss a beard like that. Crystallized beard. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis, do you have any, like, favorite scenes or if anything that, like, little things that, like, stood out to you or... You know that we could we could just keep rambling on about it over and over and over again, but we can kind of kind of bring it bring it full circle. Oh, I don't know. I wish I was thinking about that when I was watching the movie. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess just some of the more shocking scenes I quite liked. Mm. That um, largely featuring Daniel Day Lewis, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. and the, Meek Leavers. Yeah. The, yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the, one yeah. of the scenes I really like that didn't involve Daniel Day Lewis is when they're at like the theater and the random guy tries to kill Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, and Leo saves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they they kill that guy, and then it shows Leo afterwards, and he's like fighting with himself. Yeah, and he's like, and it's it's this deep deep like internal battle mm-hmm. where it's like. Did I save his life because I'm the one that's supposed to kill him? Or did I save his life because I'm kind of becoming, like, to, to respect this man yeah, yeah, yeah. who killed my father? I and really you see like him, he's having both those feelings at the same time, and it's, tear, yeah. it's tearing him up. And that's when Brendan Gleeson's character, like, comes in and is like, hey, like, don't, yeah, you know, yeah. don't be stupid. Or, you know, he says something. Gale- yeah, I know who you are. And, and, mm. and that kind of thing. It's, it's a. It's an intense scene, that internal struggle that, that he's having. And it's like you can almost see it. You can yeah. almost see him enjoying being Bill's kind of protege. Yeah. And the yeah, praise. Yeah, it was, it was, I didn't, I wasn't sure throughout it whether he had turned or not. Mm. The praise that he was getting yeah. from him and, and taking him under his wing and, and everything like that. And I think it made the decision for him to go back to try and kill him pretty easy when Bill's the way Bill deals with finding yes. out holy <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that yeah but it's interesting how Bill doesn't kill him as a kid and is like and then doesn't you know, kill him again really really you know sears him in, himself into the memory of this kid and then and lets him go and then yeah doesn't kill him then it says, it says, what, I think it says you're because... not worthy of being killed by me yet or something like yeah because he's what... killing everyone else well, for I think nothing it, I think it has to do with the way he was trying to kill him as like an assassin versus in open combat, like yeah. he killed his dad. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is interesting though, because then he, you know, he kills Brendan Gleeson in an incredibly, incredibly sneaky way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, no uh, honor in it. I guess maybe f- film-wise, it might not have been as good if Leo just got killed right then. And then no, and there. No but do you know no. what? How interesting would that have been if he killed Leo and then just kept going, just went off into a he, different direction? He wins. Bill be, wins. That would be sick. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you if Scorsese made that movie today, that's how we'd do it. That's I mean, a, like know. the the in the Departed. Yeah, Leo dies. Yeah, in that, that one. ends. That ends bad. Marky yeah. Mark's the only one that survives that movie. That's a great. That's by the way, Marky Mark's best movie by far. <laughs> the Departed. Good. Yeah. That I I was just thinking because we I was talking about we were watching Transformers briefly because there was nothing else on with my boys and and Seb was like 
freaking out about how bad it is and we it is bad he was like what good movies has marky mark been and i wanted to say boogie nights but that's incredibly inappropriate <laughs> so i didn't reference it because actually he's really good what at about nights. um lone survivor he's really good in lone survivor. yeah is it it's not a tough gig though is it being ma- macho i mean did he really i suppose no he actually no he yeah he goes through some so stuff in that movie didn't I, he? I love lone survivor but it's an action film yeah it, you know he, I, he was good at it, it yeah, yeah he is really good in it yeah. but like and Boogie, Boogie Nights tested yeah. him more, much more. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, Marky Mark. Yeah, we'll end we'll in we'll the Gangs of New York podcast talking about Mark Wahlberg's best roles. <laughs> <laughs> is that gonna is that gonna do it for us? Yes. I think yeah, so. I think we've covered it. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for this episode. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram. And follow us, like, subscribe, hit all those buttons. Really helps us out a lot. So we will see you next time on the Based on History podcast. Adios.